Praise God. Well, um, let's look. We're going to continue our series. We started a series last week called The Power of Words. Let's look at Proverbs 18, verse 21. If you missed the first message, you can go back and listen to it. Uh, it's on our website. You can listen to it or watch it on our website. You can watch it on YouTube. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can go find it on Facebook and watch it. number of places. And all the scriptures that we do, uh, that we use, are all available uh, in PDF form, and they're available in a Word document form. If you go to our website and click, once the edited version is up on the website on the media page, if you go to our, um, the media page and then go to the, the, the sermon, there's a download section. And if you click on that, you can see the PDF or the, the Word document uh, form of that. And if you want di- directions on how to get those scriptures, if you just go to the media menu, there's, a, there's w- an item that says uh, sermon scriptures. If you click on that, it'll tell you exactly what to do to get those scriptures. But they're always available. And so, you know, you can take notes and write things down as the, the Lord would prompt you, but you don't have to furiously be getting everything. Just know all the, all the scriptures and all the versions are all available for your convenience um, on our website. Let's look at Proverbs 18, verse 21. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. um, Let's look at Matthew 12, 37. If you can just skip down the scripture, and we'll come right back up. Matthew 12, 37, Jesus said, For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. So we read in Proverbs, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus said, by your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. Our our words are powerful. Our words are more important than most people realize. Words can bring life on a scene. Words can bring health on a scene. Words can bring peace on a scene. Words can bring wisdom on a scene. Words can bring encouragement on a scene, but they can also bring death. They can also bring destruction. They can also bring anxiety. They can also bring sickness. They can also bring poverty. You know, your words determine people that poverty doesn't just happen. People are saying things over and over. I don't know. How am I going to make it? I just don't have enough. They say things all the time, but abundance doesn't just happen. It's a mindset and how you speak things out mindset. It it ought to be based on the Bible and what it says and Bible based beliefs. But then you speak those things out and that's actually what determines your direction. Let's look at James 3, verse 1. We looked at these scriptures last week just as a springboard uh, to go forward. And you can go listen to that, but um, we're covering some of these again. James 3, verse 1 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or a mature man. Able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they, do, they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, 
They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Notice that. A, a couple of illustrations that James gives us. Look at verse 2 again. It says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, or that means a mature man. doesn't mean you're literally perfect. It means mature. It means complete. This is an indication. What we do with our mouth is an indication of our spiritual maturity and our knowledge of God. Like I said, so many people, they don't understand that their words are, are actually creating the, their, the direction of their life. But as we come to that knowledge, well, now we need to do something with it. We need to control our tongue, and the Spirit of God will help you to do that. Don't say, I just can't. I just can't control. I just can't control my temper. I just can't control my mouth. Don't say that. What are we saying? We're having what we say. I just can't. I can't control my temper. You blow it. Well, what are you saying? Stop saying that. Say, I I can. I, I will control my tongue. I'm going to make my tongue do what it's supposed to do. Just speak God's word. Period. Anything that doesn't line up with God's word, don't say it. Treat things that are against God's word like cuss words. Don't say, I just, I'll never have enough. Don't ever say, I'm not smart enough. Treat that like cussing, like things that people say. I won't say certain words. You know, that's a bad word. You know, there are much worse things you could say that, that are not considered. They're not four-letter words. They're not considered cussing or cursing. But if you say it, you'll end up going on a death path. I just, I'll never amount to anything. I don't, ha- I, I'm just not smart enough. I just don't know if I'm going to make it help, you know, in my health. I just, I, I, I don't, I, I just don't know how I'll ever overcome this. I think I'm going to be sick the rest of my life. The doctors don't know how to fix this. I don't see any way. Those are just painting. That's, that's putting you in a direction. Now, we're going to look at why that is. But it's, it's putting you, it's actually decreeing something in our life. It's decreeing the direction of our life. Whether we understand that or not, we're going to look at the word concerning it. We are right now. But we need to understand that what we say is actually determining the direction. Isn't that what it's saying right here? It says... Uh, let's read the, part, the first part of verse 2 again. For, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect or complete man, able also to bridle the whole body. In other words, if you can control your mouth, you can control your body. Well, I just can't control what I eat. Stop saying that and stop saying I'll eat whatever I need to eat. And I'll eat the right amounts. Don't say, I just can't eat this food. Say, I'll eat whatever I need to eat. My body works perfectly to digest whatever it needs to digest. And I able to process everything. And I eat the right amount so that my body is healthy. You have a different body than everybody else. Don't go by what everybody else says or does. Maybe you can learn something from it. Thank God. But don't take somebody else's program and make it a legalistic yoke around your neck that if you don't do that, somehow you're wrong. You have a unique body. Find out from God, and you can do natural research, but just be led by the Spirit of God on what works for you, and then say, I'm going to do that. And God will help you do it. He'll help you. He'll lead you. Verse 3, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, And we turn their whole body, giving the illustration of a horse. A little bit in the horse's mouth, by pulling the rein, can turn the direction of that huge animal. 
You don't have to physically move the whole animal in a direction. Just by moving the, the reins with the bit, uh, you can move the horse in a direction. Same thing with our mouths. You can, you can move the whole course of your life in a direction by saying the right thing. It's a little member. The tongue is small, but it's so powerful. Verse 4, look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. The ships can be huge. I was talking to somebody after the service uh, uh, last week. He was talking about, you know, he's worked on uh, electronics and things that have been on huge ships. And you see, the ship can be massive, but relative to the ship, the, the rudder is very small. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you can have a huge ocean liner. The rudder can be huge, but when you step back and look at the whole ship, again, the rudder is very, very small. And then you could have, you know, a, a speedboat. Well, the rudder on the back of that is very small relative to the boat, but it determines where the boat goes. Same thing with our tongue. It determines the direction of our lives. Now, let's look at Revelation 12:11. I want to start... Uh, looking at why this is. This is not self-help. Do some of these principles, they work if people have no, no, um, no understanding of why this is happening. You, it still works for everybody. People are getting what they say, even if they have no clue about what the Bible says about it and, and what we're looking at. It, it still works. Just like you can drive a car and you don't need to have any understanding of all the mechanics and everything that's going on, especially now. In 2022, cars are so complicated and you're not going to drive any new car without electronics in there. You're not just steering the wheel and it's going directly from the steering wheel you know, to the wheels or you're pushing the pedal and you know, it's directly uh, letting, um, you know, controlling the gas. There is electronics in between you and what's going on. If those electronics fail, nothing's going to happen. Well, you don't have to understand all that. You just need to know how to operate the vehicle. You know, a lot of times now it's put your foot on the brake, you know, have the key in there, push your foot on the brake, and push the button, and it starts. And then a lot of times push a button to put it in drive, right? And you put down your foot on the gas, starts going. That'll work whether you're an engineer, whether you're a school teacher. Whether you've never seen a car before, somebody shows you what to do, you can do it. Isn't that right? People are operating the principles we're talking about today, regardless if they've, ever heard, if, if they've never heard a sermon about it, if they've never seen a Bible verse about it, it's a law of God. And we're seeing that this is the reality in the world because of the, the, the situation in the world. And so what you say is going to determine where you go, even if you don't believe it. <laughs> even people are operating this all the time. They are, their direction is a product of what they've said. So it'll work. And so we need to, but we're looking at why is it working? What does the word of God say about it? So we can have faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if we've been saying the wrong thing, we can stop saying it. We, re, we start to realize the power of our words and we start saying the right things. It's not just a nice saying. Well, I'm just going to say it and it sounds good. It is actually like turning the rudder. And when we get a hold of that, we'll start being much more careful about what we say 
The bad things, we'll just cut them out. We'll treat them like, there's no way I'm saying that. I'm not going in that direction. And then we'll start saying, where do we want to go? Well, I'm going to start saying that. Now, there's a reason why that we're reading verses, right, of saying this is the case. The Bible goes so far as to say life and death are in the power of the tongue. Jesus said, by your words, you would be condemned. By your words, you'd be justified. That means acquitted. Here it's saying that James is saying the tongue is like putting a, a bit in a horse's mouth. The tongue is like turning the rudder of a ship. It changes the direction. Before we go to Revelation, let's look at one more. Mark eleven twenty three. If you can go pop back up to the second, third verse there. Mark eleven twenty three. Look at what Jesus said. It says, no, the Mark eleven twenty three. right above that one. It says, for assuredly, Jesus said that for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. I'm going to read it again. Now, we're going to take time today to read the whole context of this. He's actually, uh, he had spoken to a fig tree that, that it was supposed to be bearing fruit. It wasn't. And he said, let no man ever eat fruit from you again. And when the disciples came back, the, the fig tree had withered up. It had, it had dried up and withered. And so Jesus is explaining to his disciples. And he says, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, probably pointing at the mountain across the, the way, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. You see that? Jesus said you'd have whatever you say. Is Jesus a liar? Is he right? He didn't just say. He didn't say that whatever you believe will happen. He said, if you believe that those things you say will be done, you will have whatever you say. Can you go back to the last slide? But believes, if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say will be done, he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So Jesus said it. We're reading verses, right? Let's look at Revelation 12.10. I want to go back and I want to lay a foundation of why this is true in the earth. Jesus said it. We've read it a number of places. We're going to read more. But there, there is an authority that we have as a believer and why this happens. This will happen for every person on the earth. What they're going to say is going to go. And they're, they're, going to, they're going to hear that. They're going to go in a certain direction. But we need to understand the authority we carry as a believer. We need to understand the spiritual landscape so we understand partly why this happens. And we don't want to give a place to our enemy for bad things to try to come or foothold for him to do things. And we want to do everything to give God access so that what he wants to happen in our life will happen. Revelation 12, 10 says, Then I heard a, a loud voice 
uh, saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Notice, they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. So by the blood of Jesus, you don't overcome Satan by your strength and your, your ability, naturally speaking. It says, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. In the Amplified Classic, verse 11 says, They have overcome, conquered him by means of the blood of the Lamb and by the utterance of their testimony. By the utterance or the saying of their testimony, by their word. So Jesus has done something. He has delivered us from Satan, but then we have to enforce that in our lives. If we don't, then even though we're free, even though we're redeemed, if we put ourselves back into bondage, then we will be in bondage, even though you're actually free. We have a choice. In other words, it's God's will for us to be free and operate in everything that he's provided by Jesus, but he's given us a free will and given us authority to walk in what he did for us and what he's given to you you can't put back on him did you hear me let's look at colossians 1 verse 9 so this is all i want we're going to look at just the reality of Satan's role in the earth and, and what he is. But I want you to see this is a background of why your words matter. We've read some, word, some scriptures that show that your words, my words, carry power, right? Here we're going to look at some things of why is that? What is the landscape behind the scenes that people don't realize what's going on and why do those words carry power? Look at Colossians 1 verse 9. Now, we mentioned some of these things last week, but, you know, didn't go into depth. But we're going to go into depth, give you some scripture so that you under, we gave some scripture last week. But, you know, just let's let's look at it so we understand the truth of God's word according to uh, uh, concerning these things. Colossians one, verse nine. It says, for this reason, also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, as I'm reading this, I just want you to know, this, these scriptures right here, Colossians 1, verse 9, Ephesians 1, uh, in the first chapter, you know, around uh, verses 15, 16, uh, Ephesians 3, uh, I think it's verse 14 and on. These are, these are prayers you can pray for yourself. We, in fact, pray these, these, uh, these verses and, and many more, for you and for people, you know, for our Rama family, for our Andover Christian Center, Center family, for our loved ones, for, for people that we know. We pray these scriptures for you guys. These are, and you can too, pray them for yourself. If somebody needs understanding in your family, pray these, these verses. Why? Because they are 
They are Spirit-inspired, Spirit, Holy Spirit-breathed verses that uh, you know they're already anointed. You know they're right. These are scriptural prayers that you can pray for individuals so that these things happen. And one of these things, notice the first thing he's praying. He says, for this reason also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you. Pray for you what, Paul? And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So let me stop right here. If you need spiritual understanding, you need wisdom, or you know somebody that does, this is something you can pray. You know, James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Well, this is saying, going to God and saying that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Somebody says, I don't know the will of God. I just don't know where I'm supposed to go. I just don't know. Number one, stop saying that. You're, you're saying, I just don't know. It may feel like you don't know. You may not have the answer yet, but don't stay there. If you want to go in a different direction, point the rudder in a different direction. Start saying, I have the wisdom of God. I hear the voice of God. I am God's sheep and I hear his voice, it says in John. And it says his sheep hear his voice. You say, I'm a sheep, therefore I'm hearing his voice. You may, your head may tell you, you're not hearing anything. You're lying. You just stay right there. See, you might be here, but you want to turn the rudder and you want to say, I hear his voice. I'm getting it. You just say, I'm, get, I'm getting it. Your head will tell you, well, you don't have the answer yet. You say, shut up, head. I'm getting it. You watch. He's, I hear his voice. He knows how to communicate to me and I'm getting it. See, this is the way it is in every area. Don't say, don't say the wrong thing. Say the right thing. And just you saying that will bring you up. It'll brighten your countenance. It'll brighten your mind. Cause when you start talking darkness, it just puts you down. It'll just bring you down. All the strength in your body will start running out of you as fast as water goes down a drain. You start saying, I just don't know. I just don't know. Why, why, why hasn't God shown me? You're, see, you're accusing God. Don't do that. I, I just, I, I, I've tried. I've prayed. I just don't see it. Where am I supposed to go, God? Where am I? Don't do that. You'll just get yourself in darkness. Start saying what the word of God says. Come up and start saying, I hear the voice of the Almighty. I hear his voice. He said he'd give me wisdom. I'm believing him for wisdom. And you watch. It'll show up. I may not know, but I'm getting it. Watch. He's leading me and guiding me. If he has to bring 50 people across my path, he's going to do it because he's going to help me get there. See, that brings up your expectation. That brings up your, 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 brightens your countenance. What's your count? Your face. You're just like, yeah, I'm going to get it. That's expectancy. What is that? It's setting your rudder in the right direction, saying, I may be here. I may not be no, I may not know now, but I will know. I'm setting my rudder on the course for knowingville, wisdomville, directionville. I know where I'm going. I'm, I'm hearing. Do you got the answer yet? I'm getting it. Watch. We're going. We'll have it. Amen? Amen. Somebody say, I'm sick. I just don't know. Start, don't, don't start. Don't keep saying that. Start agreeing with the word of God. The word of God says he himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. The word of God says that by his stripes you're healed. The word of God says he is the Lord, your healer. The word of God says that his word is life to your body. The Word of God says He heals all your diseases. Start saying that. Say, well, 
It may look like this in the natural, but God's word is health to me. He himself took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses by his stripes. I am healed. Body, I call you healed. Doesn't look like it. Well, I'm setting my rudder to healedville. I'm going. My body is healed. It's, you're agreeing with God. Why would you ever disagree with God? If God says you're healed, then just agree with him. He knows how to get it done. He's already provided for it. By you doing that, it actually releases power into your body. You're agreeing with him. He can change anything in your body. He, know, he created the body. He can fix anything. It's not hard for him. Did you hear me? Start saying that. Start believing it. It's not hard for the Lord to, to fix your body. It's not a problem. But if we're going to say, I just don't know, and they can't fix it, who cares? I mean, thank God for doctors. But we know from the beginning they're limited in knowledge. They're human. But God knows all. So start setting your rudder to say, in aligning with what God said, and say, no, I'm healed. I'm strong. The Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong. It doesn't say let the weak say they're weak. If you're feeling weak, don't say, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so weak. I just don't know. No, start saying I'm strong. Aren't you lying? No, you're setting your rudder toward being strong. You just get up and say, according to the word, I'm strong. Body, you're strong. Arms, you're strong. Legs, you're strong. Mind, you're quick and, str- and clear and strong. Don't say I'm losing my mind, ever. Don't make jokes, jokes about, you know, losing your memory. You say, no, my memory's sharp. Don't let that come out of your mouth. Say, no, my, my, my memory is sharp and quick. My mind is quick. I remember. I can remember anything, I, you know, everything. I, I remember what I need to remember. My mind is quick. Well, I just don't know. I'm getting older. Don't say that. Now, you don't have to be the confession police with everybody else. You don't have to correct everybody. Just We have enough, enough, uh, enough to do just to take care of our own, our own mouth, right? In fact, if you're doing what God called you to do, you will know you're just trying to keep up with him and do what he called you to do. You, you don't need to be messing with anybody else's business. You, he is going to be a full-time job. You're just doing what he called you to do in your life. And we have plenty to do. So we're not taught. This is not for everybody else. This is for us. We need to just get it down for us. And if we can help somebody, thank God. But we don't need to go and throw it in somebody's face and try to help tell everybody what to do. If they want to ask us something, well, praise God. Maybe by the grace of God, we can help somebody. But it's really him helping. And so we take a different position. It's not like I, we have all the answers. We're just saying God has the answers. He did this for me. And maybe it helps. Amen. But Colossians 1, let's read, read verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. I mean, this is so good to pray over yourself. Fully pleasing Him, that means you're doing what you're called to do. That means you're walking in faith, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption 
through His blood the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to read verse 13 and 14 again. Notice, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. That means we were in the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. That means we are in a different kingdom. Now, He's talking to Christians. He's not talking to the whole world. He's talking to Christians that have called on the name of Jesus. This is how this happens. He's saying, you were here. Now you're here. You were in the power of darkness. But now you're not. You're delivered. You're conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So we have redemption through the blood of Jesus. Amen? That's how it happens. Now let's go back to Genesis. We're going to read some more verses uh, in just a minute that have to do with like what we were reading in Colossians. But I want to go back and show you some things, and you'll, sh- you'll see this more clearly as we read these other verses. Genesis 1, verse 26. This is back in the beginning of the creation. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice it said, God created the, the man and the woman. And it gives more detail later. But verse 28 says, Then he blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God gave Adam dominion. What does that mean? He, he put him in charge. Right? Created the man and said, you're in charge. Now, if you go down to Genesis 2, verse 15... Not going to take time to read all these chapters. Go read them. I mean, if you read Genesis... It's, it's just, it's so good. I mean, there's so much there. It's, it's, it's as good as any, you know, fiction book. They, they, there's, there's intrigue and drama and things, and you're reading that this history. It's not just some fairy tale. It's real. But if you go, go read these first few chapters and see what happened. And then you go through and, you know, how mankind develops and, and then Abraham and Joseph and all these things. It's, it's awesome. But look at Genesis 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So God gives him a directive and says, don't, you, can do whatever you, you can do whatever you want, just don't do this. He said, Don't eat. Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do it. But you can do it. He gave him freedom and dominion to do anything else. Genesis 3 verse 1. We're not taking time to read all this, but you can go read it. We're getting the gist of it. 
It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So he went to the woman, who obviously heard it from Adam. So he didn't even go, and it might have been by design, he went to the one that heard it secondhand. Satan will always question God to you. Did God really say that? Is God's word really that? Did God really love you? He'll, he'll contradict. This is how he works. You're seeing a pattern for the way Satan works in the earth. He hasn't changed. So when you hear something, a thought that's questioning God, questioning God's faithfulness, questioning if God's word will, will if he'll perform his word, just know that's the enemy. It's the same play. And if he can run the same play and it works on you, that's what he's going to do. He's done it for thousands of years. Verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So something just happened. Adam, who was given dominion over the whole earth, he, he listened to Satan in the form of the serpent and did what Satan told him to do to rebel against God. And when that happened, he put himself under Satan. Satan tricked him. He bowed his knee to Satan, and he became in bondage to Satan. Satan then became, took, he usurped Adam's authority. And we're going to see that. He became the one who dominates this world. Satan. God owns the world. God created the world, but he gave control of it to Adam. Adam bowed his knee to Satan. It'd be like you own. You own a property. You own your house. If you, if some con man got you to sign something that gave away your authority and your ownership to them, Regardless if you meant to, regardless if you wanted to, if he was able to trick you to sign away your authority, he would now have control, even though you had control previously. Do you see that? It's not God's will. God is still the one that is sovereign, and God's purposes will be done. But Satan, by trickery, by deceit, which is his mode of operation, he's called the deceiver, he tricked Adam. Adam bowed his knee and gave his authority to 
Satan. So Satan has a right to be on the earth until Adam's lease ran out, runs out, which is which Satan is controlling right now. And when that so when people say, well, just get the devil out of here, he has a right to be here. He has a legal right. God would be unjust to just throw him out. But his day's coming. And in Revelation, it talks about that. His day will come and he will be thrown into the pit. But that day is not today. And so Satan has a right to be here. The Bible says it, that he goes about stealing, killing and destroying. It talks about John, the thief goes about, uh, to, comes to steal, kill and destroy in John 10, 10. In 1 Peter, it says that he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he can't devour everybody. So let's look, look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. Fast forward, and we're going to read multiple verses in the New Testament that shows the state of the world and, and the devil, Satan's role. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, verse 4, whose minds the God of this age whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Let me ask you a question. Verse 4 says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ should shine on them. The God of this age. Is it talking about God Almighty? Is God blinding people from receiving the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? No, notice it's little g, God. That's Satan. Who would be keeping people and blinding them from believing? Satan's the one that's doing that. Let's read it again. Let's read verse 3. Even if our gospel is veiled, that means it's not clear. It's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. See, he's the God of this age. He's not God Almighty of this age. When his lease runs out, he's done. He's not as powerful as he wants you to believe, but he does have a measure of power and he does have a measure of intelligence. He's smarter than any man. And if you don't know that, you will be arrogant and try to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. He loves that when people think they're smart. He certainly loves it when people don't believe he exists. That's one of his biggest lies. And that's how he operates in places where, oh, there's no God. We're, I mean, there's no, number one, no God, but no devil. That's, that's an idea. That's a concept in the Bible. That's not a person. That's not a reality. Satan's going, yep, yep, you're right. Yep, keep that going. Why? Because if you don't believe he exists and you don't know anything about him, he's free to do whatever he wants to kill, steal, and destroy people's lives. And they won't take their authority. They won't stand up. In fact, in some cases, they think it's God doing that. He's a liar and he's a deceiver. So he comes to trick. He comes, oh, I'm not here, as he's destroying, as he's killing not me. The devil doesn't exist. That's some religious superstition. That's fake. That's a bunch of ignorant people believe that. He loves that. We're too educated to believe in Satan. He's like, yep. Too educated to take any kind of stand against his destruction. Too educated to know he's playing you like a violin. 
too, too educated to know that he's just up there like the puppeteer pushing people's buttons because, you know, he knows people. He's been around them for thousands of years. He knows, you talk about known personalities. We're not glorifying the devil. You need to know your enemy so that you can walk in everything. You, got, you need to know, the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not glorifying him. We're just going through. You need to know what the reality is so that you can take your authority and walk in all Jesus provided. But you also want to know, wait a minute, you're trying this. You deceitful liar. I'm not going to fall for it. But he plays people. He know, You talk about knowing personalities, knowing people. He knows them better than any person. And he's cunning. And he's smart. And he'll have you twisted in knots if you try to go toe-to-toe with him in the intellect. You cannot do it. You cannot. You're not smart enough. No, no human being is smart enough. Adam and Eve were not corrupted, had perfect minds. They na- Adam named all the animals. He had a perfect functioning, uncorrupted mind, and they still were deceived by the devil. Don't think that you, if that's pride and arrogance, that's exactly what he wants you to think, is that it doesn't, he doesn't exist, it's no big deal, I'll just go to him. You go to him in the authority of the name of Jesus. You do not go and try to, use, to take your own ability. But it Because it says he's the God of this age. Acts 26, verse 17. Let's look at that. It says, I will deliver you. Talking to Paul. I will deliver you from the Jewish people. This is the Lord speaking through Paul. Paul's recounting. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. Say the same thing. From darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. From the power of Satan. That means Satan has power over people. That's not politically correct. A lot of people discount it. It's what the Bible says. It's the reality behind the scenes. There is an evil being. That is not fiction. It is not fairy tale. It's true. The reason there's all that other stuff is because it's mimicking the truth. It's just warped in a lot of ways. What we're reading is the truth. Notice, to open their eyes in order to turn from from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those are sanctified by faith in me. So notice it says they're going to, Paul is being sent to open their eyes. How does that happen? But the truth coming. The truth, the light comes. And as light comes, knowledge is there of what really is going on. And as that happens, then people by that truth can be turned And delivered from the power of darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. That's how how you transfer out of it. How does it happen? By the blood of Jesus and by believing on what he did. See, this is a legal transaction. This is not somebody's religious belief. This is the reality in the universe. Because of what Adam did, all humanity is under the power of Satan. That's why Jesus came... 
as one who then did not sin and to deliver us out of the power of Satan. And when we believe on him, even though we didn't live sinless, we, by his sacrifice and his payment, become the righteousness of God and come out from underneath the authority of Satan and into the family of God. And now Satan has no authority over the believer. But the only way that happens is through the blood of Jesus. Satan does not care that men make up all kinds of religions to say, well, this is the way to God and this is the way. Because legally it carries no weight. It doesn't do anything. It's like counterfeit money. You can go print all you want. It won't buy you anything for when in the reality. You might get away with stuff a little bit, although that's increasingly harder with all the technology they have now. It's not going to get you anything in the long haul. It's fake. The only payment that holds up in the universe, the court of the universe, is the blood of Jesus, period. That's why Satan does not, he encourages all the false religions. He encourages the thought, it doesn't matter what you believe. It's okay, just have your own beliefs. As long as it's not Jesus. Because if it's Jesus, that's the only way for someone to get out from under his authority and to be in God's kingdom. And he doesn't want people to know that. And so he fights it and he mocks it and he comes against it. And he tries to promote the the idea that it's just okay what you believe and definitely don't tell anybody about Jesus because that'd be offensive. Why? It's offensive to Satan because if people believe on Jesus, he doesn't have control over them. They are in the family of God, and now they're actually a threat to his kingdom. And this is the reality that's going on behind the scenes. People are going about their business, acting like this is all there is, when behind the scenes there's a spiritual realm that has been here longer than mankind has been here, and this is what really determines what goes on in life. Let's look at Acts 26, uh, 18 in the Young's Literal. And then I think we'll look at one more verse. Maybe we'll see. We're wrapping up, but you guys okay? The Young's Literal says to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of the adversary unto God. Notice that. So you're saying Paul's being sent to preach to open their eyes, the gospel, to turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of the adversary. That's Satan. That's what his name means. Satan is the adversary. Unto God for their receiving forgiveness of sins. And a lot among those who have been sanctified by faith toward me. So it's saying the only way to receive forgiveness of sins is the blood of Jesus. And so Satan tries to blind people to that truth. But when the light comes, people can believe, and then they're transferred from the authority of Satan into the power of God. And they've received forgiveness, and they've been made right. They've been sanctified. What does that mean? Set apart. So you, be, you receive the righteousness. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? That's not a religious term. Righteousness means right standing with God. That means you can stand in the presence of God without any sense or feeling of inferiority. 
In other words, you can stand before Almighty God, not because you're so great, but because of what Jesus did, and in Him you have been made right, and you can have your head up, held up high and not feel like you shouldn't be there. The reason you should be there is because of what Jesus did. Amen. And when you know that, then you'll be confident. You'll know that you won't be, have all this religious junk where you're just like, oh, I'm just a worm. I just did not anything. I'm not, oh, I'm just a sinner. No, you, you might have been a sinner, but you've been made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. You've been made so that you are conveyed into the kingdom of light. light. You used to be under the power of Satan, but because of Jesus and because you received it and believed it, you are transferred into his kingdom, and by his power, Satan has no authority. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. <clears throat> let's look at, um, okay, let's look at a couple more. First John 5.18. Let's look at this and then we'll look at one more. I just don't want to leave uh, some loose ends. We'll, we're going to stay on these things, but. To wrap up for today so that this is complete. First John 5.18. Let's just go to um, 5.19. It says, We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Notice that. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Well, that's not talking about the ones that are under God, but it's saying the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. What does that mean? He, he's deceiving. He's, he's, he's ruling. He's influencing. Can you see that? That's what's going on. But Jesus came so that we would be delivered out from under that sway and then be able to function as God intended us to function. Look at Hebrews 2 verse 14. It says, and inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death, through what Jesus did, he might destroy him who had the power of death. Notice what this is saying. It says, through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, who had, had Past tense. He had the power of death. He had jurisdiction. He had authority. But Jesus came and through death, through what he did, he destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. He had the power of death and released those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So he released people from the power of death and released those through, who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So those that were subject to bondage through their fear of death and were under the, under the devil were released so that they're no longer under the power of death. God through Jesus... One of my instructors when I was at Rhema Bible Training College put it like this. When it says that he through, if we go back to uh, the middle of 14, 
that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. He said that word. See, obviously, Satan still exists. Obviously, he still has a right to be around. So the destroy there is not obliterated as, this, as in cease to exist. He's still around. He still has power. But he said it's like if you took a jackhammer. You guys know what a jackhammer is. It destroys, like, breaks up concrete, asphalt. If you took a jackhammer to a parking lot and just broke everything up there in pieces, the parking lot is still there, but it's rendered useless. In other words, it doesn't do, you can't use it as a parking lot. There's all these pieces here. That's what, that's what Jesus did to Satan. He jackhammered his power so that it's rendered useless to the Christian. But you may have to still push some of the pieces out of the way and do something. He's not gone. And if he, convince you, if he can convince you he still has power over you, then he will reign over you even though you are free. He is a con. We talk about scams. If somebody can text you and get you to give them their bank, your bank account, then they can, they can take advantage of you even though they have no legal right to do so because you gave it to them. If they email you and say, hey, we want to send you a million dollars, please send your bank account so we can wire you the money. And if you say, great, that's, I could use a million dollars, here you go. And then they end up taking your money. It wasn't because they overpowered you. It was because they deceived you. And you willingly went along with it and actually used your authority, gave it to them so that they could access what was rightfully yours. There are many ways that we can end up doing this. But one huge way that we end up giving what is rightfully ours to the devil is with our words. When we, when Jesus has redeemed us from the power of Satan, he is, his power is jackhammered. His power is rendered useless. When we've been transferred from the power of God into the kingdom, or from the power of Satan into the kingdom of light, he knows that. He knows he has no power. He knows he had power, but he doesn't have it over the Christian. But if he can convince you to use your authority as an heir of Almighty God to decree in your life what he wants, what Satan wants for you, and to decree destruction, and to decree sickness, and to decree poverty, and to decree failure. It sounds like this, I'll never make it. I'm never going to get well. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. I don't know how my relationship is ever going to be fixed. In fact, my kid, I don't know where they're going. They're, they're making bad decisions. They're not, they're not going in the right direction. I don't have a good relationship with my spouse. In fact, I never, I don't even know if I want to be with them anymore. They're just, they, I'm mad at them all the time. And we don't have a good relationship. I just don't see how it'll ever work out. I don't know how my body is ever going to be healed. I've tried, I've prayed to God, but it's not working. My kids are making bad decisions. I don't know how I'm going to keep my job. I don't know how I can work how I can come up in the company. My boss doesn't like me. Everybody, you know, is against me there. I can't figure this problem out at work. I don't know how I'm going to handle this situation. That's, 
the talk that Satan wants you to say. So even though he doesn't have authority, he's duped you into saying what he wants you. So just like you gave authority to the person with your bank account by giving Satan your words, he is going to march into your life and do what he wanted to do anyway, even though at any point you could shut him down. Do you see that? What do we do? We don't give him any access. Somebody get asks you for your bank account, you ghost them. You know what I mean? You don't answer them. You don't even have to engage. In fact, if you do, they know there's a person there. You don't have to argue with the devil. You just say what God says. When you have thoughts, you're not going to make it. You don't let that come out of your mouth. Everybody has thoughts. It's what you do with them. Just because you had a thought doesn't mean you're going in the wrong direction. It's when you start saying it. So you have a thought that you're not going to make it. What do you say? Oh, we're going over in the name of Jesus Christ. I am the head and I'm not the tail. Greater is he that's in me than he who is in the world. He supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Though the young lions suffer, lack, and go without, I will not lack any good thing. I am like the tree that's planted by the river. I will keep prospering. Doesn't matter if there's drought. Doesn't matter what the economy does. We're going over. What is that? You're you're disagreeing with God. Satan's trying to get you to agree with him. You say, whatever. I'm saying, you don't have to talk. To him, you just say God's word. You have symptoms. It feels like you're not going. There's no way you're going to make it. Don't say there's no way I'm going to make it. You say, I am healed. Body, you're working right. Mind, you're working right. Limbs, you're working right. Organs, you're working right. You're working correctly. Don't say you're not going to get along with your spouse. Don't say your children are going in the wrong direction. You say, my children love the Lord God. They make right decisions. They will hear the voice of the Lord and follow his plan for their life. My spouse and I, we get along. We love each other. Your head will say, you're lying about it. You say that we love each other. I love them and we have a beautiful relationship and we are going to be strong and do the will of God. You're decreeing in your life what God has said, and that's his will. But don't say, oh, God, what are you doing? Where are you? And start decreeing Satan's will for your life. We need to do something with our mouth, make our mouth do its duty, and decree God's words. Satan's, he's knocking on the door, trying to take advantage. We just need to shut that down and say, no, that's how you take this authority. That's how you walk. Even though he has authority in the world, he doesn't have it over the Christian. And so when we say the right thing, we nullify him and he hates it. That's why he hates a message like this, but he has no power to stop it if we'll do what God told us to do.